Jonathan. You're right. All right, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much um, for your care and your protection over us. I thank you that you are well acquainted with <clears throat> our weaknesses and that um, you have been tempted in every way that we are. And because of that, um, we know that you are sympathetic. And uh, I thank you that you are our comforter, that we can run to you uh, when we are struggling with anxious thoughts. Um, I thank you that you are faithful to keep your promises and that we can trust you. Every promise that you make, we know that you will keep it. The timeline doesn't always line up with what we think it should be, but we know that your promises are true. I pray, the Lord, as we look at your word, that you would uh, help us to understand what you have for us today, uh, that we would have open hearts, and that you would make it clear to us. I pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so today we're going to look at how anxiety should be used as a motivator to run to the Lord in prayer. Last week we looked at how anxious thoughts can be captured, confessed, and replaced. And then this week, um, I mentioned last week that our thoughts and our prayer life are very closely intertwined as a believer, and um, but for sake of time, we split them up. So today we're going to be looking specifically at how anxiety is a reminder that we need the Lord. Um, so why do we feel anxious? I think we talked briefly about this several weeks back. Because we don't have control. Right. Whether we don't have control or things seem out of our control, whatever the case might be, it's a control thing, right? Um, or it brings to mind a past experience that perhaps was traumatic, difficult, whatever the case might be, and you're you're taken back there and causes anxious thoughts. All right, we're going to look at how... Um, Prayer requires humility. It's a recognition, like we talked about, anxiety is really a control issue. We want to be the boss. And humility is the opposite of that, recognizing that I'm not in control. I might want to be in control, but I'm not in control. And accepting that and going to the Lord. Um, humility from the theological dictionary, uh, Dictionary of the New Testament says humility is the disposition of valuing or assessing oneself appropriately, especially in light of one's sinfulness. Um, and Tim Keller has an, I like this definition too, from his book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Um, I think that's really good. We don't have to like say, I'm, I'm nothing, I'm God created us, and he values us, but keeping that in right perspective is good. So we're going to look at a couple verses here. 1 Peter 6, 7, uh, sorry, 5, 6, and 7. Somebody want to read that? Chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, 
casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Thank you. And then we're going to look at Second Chronicles 7.14. Somebody want to read that one? If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Thank you. And then Psalm 131. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So we see here that humility is very important in our relationship with the Lord. Um, What are some practical ways that we can practice humility? Because humility doesn't come naturally, I don't think. (laughs) I think just even just acknowledging, you know, when you're in that moment, um, not letting it, not letting time go on, but like being quick to acknowledge the Lord, like I'm feeling this way because I'm trying to take control and I don't have control. You're the one in control. Mm-hmm. And I think even in relationships with other people, being quick to recognize, oh, I wasn't right there. Yeah. And it's sometimes hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> Were you going to say something? Well, I was just going to say on the same line that sometimes uh, confessing our sins, which those, they are sins of uh, you know, feelings of uncertainty and feelings of control and that and and I think that it really humbles yourself to turn around and tell God I'm sorry for this and and, and prayers of thankfulness and gratitude too yes uh, that's kind of the opposite of being self that's where we're going next yes first John 1 9 says if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and that's part of yeah that's a very good point part of humbling ourselves is confession um, so then my second point is praise changes our perspective um, Philippians 4 4 to 7 I'm going to look at that rejoice in the Lord always again I will say let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you. So verse 4 starts off with rejoicing in the Lord always. Is that easy to do when you're going through hard stuff? It doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances. (laughs) And then where in verse 6 it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So that thanksgiving, that rejoicing in the Lord, is a big part of how our anxious thoughts are relieved. Um, When we recognize and praise the Lord for his all the attributes that make him God and believe them, we have a perspective shift. Um, When we know he's good and trust that he's good, according to 
scripture's definition of good, we can trust that whatever we're dealing with in life, the Lord plans for our good. And our, our definition of good is sometimes a little different than his. But um, when I was a teenager, I went to a week of revival meetings, and um, I struggled with depression even as a teenager. And I went forward for prayer, and the woman who prayed with me um, left me with a challenge. And it seemed a little odd to me at the time. She asked me to spend 30 days only praising God, not asking God for anything. And I thought, that's kind of weird because the Bible's full of scriptures that says, bring your requests to me. Bring your... I was like, okay. But I did it. And um, I found that the, the more that I praised God, the more I realized, well, I mean, I know who God is, but I really, if that's all I'm going to pray, I really need to know more about who God is to praise him and it not just be a five-minute prayer. <laughs> so um, it, it was amazing, the transformation that happened in those 30 days. It, it begins to change your perspective um, on your circumstances, on your life, when you realize just how big God is and how amazing he is. Um, so we're going to Look at Psalm 77. I'll spend a few minutes there. Maybe I'll have someone read the first ten verses and then someone take the last ten. I cried out to the God for, to God for help. I cried out to God for healing. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night I stretched out on tiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remember you, God. I groaned, I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated. asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? And I thought, to this I will appeal the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. So we want to take 11 to the end. I recall all you've done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about them. Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of miracles and wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. You have redeemed your people by your strength, the descendants of Jacob and of Joseph by your might. When the Red Sea, when the Red sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down their rain. The thunder rolled and crackled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep, with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. Thank you. So what do we see in the first half of this psalm? Doubting God, that almost like God didn't see him, couldn't see him and forgot about him. Do you hear frustration? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? It doesn't look like you're doing anything. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I think sometimes we're afraid to say those things to God because like it's not the right things to pray. But it's okay. God can handle it. He already knows what we're thinking. And and I love how the Psalms are full of like just this raw emotion, like what is going on? I'm not happy about this. <laughs> they're saying what we're thinking. Yes. Yes. They don't have the courage to say that to Almighty God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think most often when a, a believer cries out to God and senses that we're heard, it brings peaceful assurance of faith. But this isn't always the case. Sometimes we stay in our difficulty instead of being delivered from it. And that kind of brings frustration. Um but that doesn't change the fact that he's there, he's listening, and he's working, even if it seems like he's not. Um, verse 4, you hold my eyelids open. Even there, he's recognizing God's in control. God is the one that's either he can't sleep or he won't sleep because he's in pursuit of God, and God's keeping him awake. Um so even in the midst of his frustration, he's still admitting and recognizing that God's in control. And then in verse 11, well, 11 to, to 20, what do you see there? He's setting his focus on the things that God has done. And it's like a, mm-hmm. a very purposeful, like, I will remember, I will meditate. Yeah. He's making a decision to do that. Yeah. It's clear he's still feeling frustration because, I mean, you, in a split second, you don't just all, your feelings don't just change, typically. But he, yeah, he's making a conscious choice to say, "This is what I need to focus on." Yeah. I have a note that I just wrote there a long time ago: just preach truth to yourself. Like, yes. Just decide. I'm gonna just preach it to myself and tell it to it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. The, the change of feeling isn't the goal. I mean, we want our feelings to change. And typically, when we obey the Lord, those feelings do follow. But our goal is faithfulness to the Lord and what his word tells us to do, whether those feelings change or not. And that, that's the hard part, because when you're dealing with anxious thoughts and you're dealing with depression and those kinds of things, it's very difficult to say, okay, I'm going to choose to do this when you don't feel like it. Um, the the passage that we were reading earlier there, um, it talks about the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is the, res- the Lord's promise to us. Now it doesn't say when that peace is going to come. It may not be immediate, but he promises it. Um, but if we don't change our perspective and focus on the Lord and his goodness and all the promises that he gives us, we can rest assured that our emotions won't change either. (laughs) Um, we're going to look at real quick. We'll come back to this Psalm. So keep your finger in here, but we're going to look at Psalm 42 verse five. Someone want to read that? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? 
hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Mm-hmm. And then Psalm 62, 5-7. My soul waits in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God my salvation and my glory rest, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Thank you. So here the psalmist is, like you said, preaching truth to himself. Soul, you need a trust in God. My hope comes from God. We have to tell ourselves these things because we don't always feel like it. Um, When our faith is faltering, praying the scripture is really helpful to remind ourselves what is true and anchoring us. Um, And sometimes... It's really hard to believe when it feels like, where's God? What is he doing? Um, but it's okay to ask God for faith. Uh, we're going to look at Mark 9, 14 to 27. short little story here. If someone would like to read that, that would be wonderful. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled out, foaming in the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. So this man takes his son to Jesus, and there's a whole lot of lack of faith going on. (laughs) But he says, I believe he's declaring something, but also recognizing I have some unbelief, and he's asking Jesus to help him with his unbelief. I think this is really helpful for us because oftentimes we struggle with unbelief, and God makes promises, and it's like, okay, I believe, but like, when is this going to happen? And we can ask God to help us with our unbelief. Um, and we're going to go back to the Psalm 77 now in verse 12. One of the ways that the Lord helps us with our unbelief here is in verse 12, which says, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. When we're meditating, remembering, thinking on, memorizing God's deeds, 
God's promises, what he's done in the past, that increases our faith. Go back to, like, if you keep a journal and you see how God's been faithful and you write, you know, in your journal how God's answered your prayers in the past, go back and read that. That helps you shore up your faith. Can I? Yeah. So, in my experience, talking about humility also previously today, um, I think there has to be an acknowledgement, too, that we are incapable of belief. Mm-hmm. Without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So we have to be in a posture of humility where mm-hmm. we can't believe. Yeah. We're not able to produce belief in ourselves. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. For so sure. It requires humility to put ourselves in a position of recognizing we can't just conjure up belief. Mm-hmm. Even even meditating, if you're not careful, that feels like well, it's under my power. Mm-hmm. If I do these things, then this will happen. Right. And it can become sort of a legalistic, or if right. you're not careful, it can be a, well, I'm doing these things, and yes. so therefore I should get this mm-hmm. response or this, you know. I just think it, we should be careful mm-hmm. to be humble in the fact that we can't even believe without Right. It's a gift from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and if the Holy Spirit is in us, he uses these things mm-hmm. to bring about faith in our hearts. But you're right. Yeah, we can't on our own. It's none of that. From a personal, like, I'm a doer, and so like, <laughs> like a perfectionist tendency in my spirit. And so, yeah. well, if I do these things, then I'll get this, you know. And right, it's not a formula. No. Yeah. It's not a formula. It's <laughs> humility. Yeah. Yeah. Attitude of our heart. Okay, we're going to look at Jesus' pattern for prayer in Matthew 6. I love that Jesus shows us how to pray. Verses 5 to 15. Would someone like to read that? And now about prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you that that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father secretly. And your Father, who knows all secrets, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, because your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask Him. Be like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. Give us our food for today, and forgive us our sins, just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation but deliver us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Thank you. It's the New Living Translation. It's a little different. Yeah. That's good, though. It kind of puts a different spin on it. 
So what can we glean from this example that Jesus gives us of how to pray? Well, the first thing that he tells them to do is really an act of humility and to acknowledge that God is our Father who is in heaven Mm -hmm. and his viewpoint is bigger than ours and his power is bigger than ours. Yeah, total dependence. Yeah. Well, and... And the second, yeah, somebody I was say, the second thing they do follows is they, that. They put his will ahead of mm-hmm. them. They, you know, they, he's teaching them that God's will should be asked for first. It's more humility. <laughs> God's will is better than ours. And, but you're also reminding yourself, I think, in that prayer that God's will is better than mine. Mm-hmm. Before asking for my own things or yes. asking for my own needs to be met, I'm acknowledging. Okay, your will is best, but mm-hmm. here's my meager, just in case you might mm-hmm. be interested in the request. <laughs> well, and even even Jesus asked for the the like the crucifixion to be removed from him, and he was God, and he knew that that was not going to happen, but yet he still asked. So it's okay to ask for things, but with an open hand, like this may not be God's will. This is what I'd like, but, you know, your will is more important. I think even the very first word where it says, our Father who art in heaven leads to, he will forgive you if you forgive others. He's our Father, not Mm -hmm. just my Father. So I think that that in itself opens your eyes. He he wants you to forgive everyone, just like what he's done for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then we get to the um, physical requests, you know. That is one short thing in the prayer. That doesn't mean you can't ask for multiple things, but that should be part of the prayer, but not the main course, I think, is, is the idea here. And then we have confession of sin. And it, in in verse 12 as well as in 14, it it's saying if we're not forgiving other people, you shouldn't expect your sins to be forgiven. I think they fall into tracks too. Well, their sin was a lot worse than mine. <laughs> 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 yeah, come on. <laughs> I didn't do that. Right, right. Yeah, it doesn't say how bad. <laughs> And then in verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we're going to, to understand this verse, we're going to look at uh, James 1, 13 to 15. So it says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And 15, then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. So this is not saying that God is tempting us. I think that can be understood by trials or suffering so that we're not overcome by those things or sink under it. 
And then uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13, which speaks to that as well, which says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, but God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Like we were talking about last week. Um, so James is saying that our, our temptation comes from our evil desires within us. And Satan dangles a carrot. And he knows what those evil desire, desires are. And it doesn't take much <laughs> for him to tempt us with whatever it is that he knows that we're weak in. And um, so we need the Lord to help protect us and strengthen us to withstand. And 1 Corinthians 10.13 is saying that he provides a way of escape. We don't always take it, but... It's there. <laughs> and sometimes we're in a situation where we don't have time to sit down and have a big, long prayer. Um, and we can send up what I call flare prayers. God help. I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to say. I don't, you know, those, those are, the Lord sees that as a recognition of our dependence on him and our humility um, in trusting him to provide us with what we need. Okay, let's read Psalm 121. Maybe we'll end on this passage here. It's just a very encouraging passage. Somebody want to read that? I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your head. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth forever. Thank you. So our tendency is to trust ourselves first. Watch where we're walking. You know, we got to be careful. I mean, we should be aware. But at the same time, the psalmist is saying here to do something that makes no sense. Stop looking at where you're walking and lift your eyes up to the Lord. And then in verse 3, he's going to keep our feet. When we're trusting him and following where he leads us, he's going to keep us from slipping. Does anything else there stand out to you guys? A long time ago, I heard a about this song that just has really stuck with me, especially in dealing with any kind of anxious thoughts. <clears throat> this is part of the song, the songs in the sense. And so it was like a yearly thing, this like it's like Psalm 120, 130, are songs that were said over and over again as people were traveling to Jerusalem on a yearly basis to make their yearly sacrifices. And so from the perspective of this, it was like like you said, don't look at where you're walking, look up to the Lord. It was because that thought of, they had to go through these mountainous regions and it became overwhelming. They were looking at those mountains and they were overwhelmed. Like, we've got to cross this and it looks unsurmountable. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, but look up to the Lord because he sees beyond the mountains. Mm-hmm. He sees all the picture of it. And to me, that's just brought so much peace. And it's like, oh, my perspective is so small. Mm-hmm. It's just so like skewed. Mm-hmm. But God sees the big picture and he sees and there were people, robbers, hiding yeah. out in those mountains. Yeah. And it says, verse, yeah. yeah, 
verse 8 says the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. So all of those, he's addressing all of those fear factors there. Like he's going to keep us and he's not sleeping. We can sleep (laughs) because he's not. (laughs) Anything else? Well, as you go home today, I would encourage you to practice thanking God for who he is. And as you do this, your view of God will become larger and our problems become smaller in light of who he is. Um, When anxious thoughts come, run to the Lord. Express your reliance on him. Your humility is um, evidenced through that. Confess your anxiety is sin. The The first anxious thought isn't necessarily sin, but if you dwell on that, that is sin. Um, ask him for his help to trust that his promises are true. I'd love to hear your stories. How, how you practice this and how the Lord gives you peace when he gives you peace. It's a great way to encourage each other in the Lord. Is there somebody that would like to close this in prayer? Thank you. Father, we just we thank you for your word, Lord. What a um, what a wonderful time just going through and searching out scriptures that um, we can apply to our lives that are weapons for us to use in our uh, battle that we fight. And so, Lord, um, I ask as we go forward from this point, Father, I ask you to give us your grace to use it. Um, give us your grace to take what you have spoken in your word and promised in your word and apply it to our lives and live it out. Um, thank you for Cheryl Lynn and all of her hard work in preparing this and for sharing your word, Lord. And Father, we just give you all the glory for the things that you're doing in our hearts. And we praise you and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.